Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul tells us that the most important thing in this life is our faith in Jesus Christ expressing itself in love for Jesus and love for others. Do you have a daily lifestyle of expressing your love for Jesus Christ? Are you trying to help and serve others that they might grow to know Jesus and live for him more effectively? Let's open our Bible now to Galatians chapter 5 and look at this incredible principle of our faith in Jesus expressing itself in love. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus. Hopefully you're spending time growing to know Jesus, spending time growing to know his love for you, growing to love him, growing to obey him, uh, growing uh, to repent, you know, where you make uh, mistakes and where you fall short, which which all of us do daily. Uh, the way we grow to know Jesus is by spending time with him. And the primary way to do that is by spending time in your Bible, spending time in the word of God. The Bible is the word of God, the living word of God. It's the word of God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. We have a, a triune God. It's one God, one being, but he's represented in three separate individual persons. And in Jesus Christ, we have a, a relationship with each, you know, God, the father is our heavenly father. Jesus Christ is our Lord and savior and master and king. Uh, God, the Holy Spirit is our guide, our, our counselor, our comforter. So again, we do this. We grow in relationship with each member of the Trinity as we spend time with them. And again, the primary way we do that is by spending time in the Bible, reading our Bible, studying our Bible, meditating on the scripture, memorizing the scripture, again, above all, obeying the scripture. We grow to know them in prayer, right? When we spend time in prayer, we ought to be in prayer consistently throughout our days, right? Uh, we ought to have times of just thanksgiving where we're just thanking our Father, thanking Jesus, thanking the Holy Spirit for all the, the countless blessings in our lives, right? We have times of fellowship and community with other believers. Certainly going to church on Sunday is a good thing, but you ought to be in fellowship and community with other Christian believers on a daily basis. And when I mean fellowship, I don't just mean hanging out. I mean, together and talking about Jesus, right? Um, again, when we spend time in praise and worship, um, all of these things are, are tools given to us by the Lord uh, to help us grow in our relationship and our intimacy with him. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so today um, plan is to do Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, um, Paul goes as planned, Lord willing. Uh, there'll be three more teachings after this, and that will conclude 12 teachings in the book of Galatians. Man, it's been, it's been good. It's been exciting. Um, it's been a good study uh, for me. Again, just, just studying this book and in preparation to teach it is just, uh, it's just faith building. Um, again, up to now, um, you know, Paul has been has been dealing with the issue that, you know, so-called believers were coming into the churches in Galatia. Remember, Galatia is a province. 
you know, like would be one of our counties that would have, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever your county is, right? If you live in Connecticut in Hartford County, you know, there's, there's what, a few dozen towns in there, right? Um, so, you know, Paul, there were many churches scattered through Galatia and, you know, Paul is in Antioch and people were coming into the church and, uh, and saying that, that you need to believe in Jesus Christ, but that's not enough. You also need to keep the law of Moses. You need to follow all the commandments. You need to follow all the dietary laws. You need to be circumcised if you're a man. Um, and only by doing this can you be saved. So they they expected, you know, even the non-Jewish believers, the Gentiles, to come under all the Jewish laws. They they wanted everyone to be Jewish, and they were proclaiming that you can only be saved from your sin and go to heaven if you did that. Um, Paul vehemently disputes that, um, makes it clear there's nothing we do, whether we're Jew or Gentile. And again, those are the only two types of people there are in the world, biblically speaking. Those who are of a Jewish heritage and those who are not. Those who are not were called Gentiles in the Bible. But whether you're Jew or Gentile, you're saved from your sin and you go to heaven and you come into relationship with the triune God only by your trust and reliance and belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, there's nothing we can add to that. It's not Jesus and the Ten Commandments. It's not Jesus and doing good works. It's not Jesus and following all the Jewish traditions. It's not Jesus and being circumcised. There's nothing we can add to the cross of Christ. Anything we added would spoil it for us, okay? Um, there's nothing we mix with Jesus, and we're going to see that here in the text. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for this book of Galatians. We just thank you that we have our Bible, Father. We thank you that we have the living word of God, Father. We just we thank you, Father. We worship you. But above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we always thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, for dying a, a perfect life death for us and we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you today lord jesus holy spirit we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we as we open your word we ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear we ask you to open our hearts to the living word of god now here in galatians in jesus name amen and amen all right thank you lord jesus okay galatians 5 verses 1 through 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. 
For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Wow. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I mean, when you read that verse 12, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard. So again, to understand here, um, again, these, these believers were coming in and saying, you not only need to trust in Christ, but you need to be circumcised if, if you're a man. Okay. And that circumcision, right. Um, was a sign that you belong to God. Okay. Now it's not, Okay. Paul says it clearly right in verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. It means nothing at all. And this would have rocked the world, right? The Jewish world at that time, because, you know, circumcision was a sign, right? That the Lord gave to, to Abraham. Um, and, uh, you know, and that by cutting away the, the foreskin of the, the male penis, right? That was a, a sign that God gave his chosen people that they were, you know, that, that they that they belonged to him. Now, you were never saved by circumcision, but that was an outward physical sign, right, on men that you were, you know, that you were one of God's chosen people. Um, outwardly, never, even in Abraham's day, did it do anything for you regarding your salvation. Never were you saved by being circumcised. Never were you saved from your sin by following the Ten Commandments. Never were you saved by following all the Jewish traditions. Doing outward works, whatever they may be, have, has never, ever been a part of salvation. Salvation has always been by God's grace, his unmerited favor. It's always been a gift to us that we receive by faith. Right. When we when we when we believe Jesus is the son of God, when we believe that he did come into the world and live a perfect, righteous life that we couldn't live on our behalf and in our place and then died a perfect, righteous death on our behalf and in our place was punished in our place, was judged in our place. Jesus took the punishment and the judgment we deserved at the cross and was raised from the dead. When you believe that and then in faith. You place your full trust and confidence and reliance in Jesus. You cling to Jesus, knowing that without him, you're hopeless, you're helpless, and you're desperate. That's how you become a Christian, right? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's important we understand, I say this all the time, our words don't save us. It's Christ that saves us. But, you know, in faith, right, we, we just use our words in faith, we, we call out to Jesus, right? And simply call out to him and, and, and just 
and just pray to him, Lord Jesus, I, I know that I'm a sinful person. I know I've done wrong, Lord. I know that there's nothing I can do to save myself, Lord Jesus. I know that none of my good works will take away my sin. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm hopeless and helpless and desperate. But Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Again, that's a Christian. And if you're not sure that you're a Christian or if you would say, you know, I, I intellectually believe in Jesus, but I'm not sure that I'm trusting in him. Well, back up the tape. Use the words I used. But again, what's important is obviously the sincerity and genuineness of your heart. Again, you're not saved by your words. Use the words I use there. But, you know, you're saved by Christ. It's Christ that saves you. And you use your words simply to communicate your heart to Jesus as genuinely, sincerely, and authentically as we can, right? Um, so again, if you're not sure, back up the tape, use the words I used, and genuinely and sincerely receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those that believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, right? So... Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Um, verse one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Um, we are free in Christ to live in the grace of God. Now, this is not a freedom to go out and just do all the sin we want and say, well, since we're not having to, to follow the Ten Commandments, since we're not having to do any good works, I might as well just do whatever I want. That's not something a genuine believer in Christ considers to be a legitimate deal, okay? If you have an attitude that because I'm a Christian, because I, I belong to Jesus, I can say whatever I want, do whatever I want, think whatever I want, and it doesn't even matter because all my sin is in Jesus, then you need to go back to the cross and receive Christ anew and afresh because you're almost certainly not a genuine Christian, okay? A genuine Christian who has received Jesus Christ as Savior is convicted over their sin, right? Um, we know that when we sin and we know that it's wrong and we're convicted of it, okay? Um, you know, uh, receiving Jesus Christ is not a license to go and live the most sinful life possible and just, you know, say, hey, Jesus has covered all my sin. You know, I might as well just do whatever I want, okay? A genuine Christian has a heart for Christ, and they want to please Christ, right? Um, and so Paul says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free to live in the grace of God. Free to live in the love of Christ, right? Free to live for Jesus without, without, without the, the slavery of the law hanging over you. Again, Paul says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We need to stand firm in the grace of God, okay? 
and it's and it's an exhortation to us, right? So it's something we we actively do. We stand firm, trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus Christ as our only hope, right? This day, this time, stand firm then, okay? So, you know, again, Jesus has us in his hands. He's not going to let us go. But we do have a responsibility to continue to stand in the grace of God and to not, you know, at some point float off and say, well, you know, I have to do a lot of good works and and I'm going to add to the cross my good life. The problem is that when you when you stand before God in heaven, you and I are going to be there because of his mercy. We don't deserve it. We deserved eternal hell. We're going to be there because of his grace. It's his unmerited favor and blessing to us. It's a gift. All we had to do was receive the gift, right? John 1, 12, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So it's, it's a free gift. If it wasn't a gift, then those in heaven would have a boast when they stood before our heavenly father, they'd be able to say, yep, I believed in Jesus, but look at all this good stuff I did. And, you know, they would have a boast and there would be a pride. No one is in heaven because they deserve it. Save Jesus. Okay. Uh, God, the son, Jesus became a human man. Our God became a human man. And he actually lived a perfect, righteous, sinless, obedient life. Jesus never sinned, right, Jason? In word, thought, or deed, he was perfect. So he deserved, right? Jesus, the man, deserved to be in heaven, right? The God-man. No human being in history, save the God-man Jesus, who is God, fully God and fully man, ever merited heaven, okay? And so Paul says, stand firm then in the freedom in the grace of God and live in the grace of God. Don't put yourself under a yoke and believe that, you know, going to church or giving money or evangelizing or serving the poor. All of these things are good things, things we, 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 we do because we love Christ. We do them in the grace of God. We do them because we want to love him and honor him because we know how much he's loved us and does love us and gave his life for us, was tortured for us. But we don't do it to earn our salvation or help ourselves be saved. So Paul says, stand firm then in this grace of Christ, the freedom we have in Christ. And it's free to believe and trust in Christ for our salvation. Now, again, he's going to talk here in this chapter that it's not a freedom to just go do whatever you want, right? In a sinful way. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Again, and it's slavery to try to you're enslaved when you're trying to be made right, made right with God by your own good life. Every other religion in the world beside biblical Christianity is in this slavery. Every other religion has this scale mentality, right? That when they stand before God, you know, they, they want God to put their good on one side of the scale and their sin and their bad on the other. And they all admit they've all done wrong and they hope the good outweighs the bad and God has mercy and he lets them in. Okay. Um, and, That'll never work, okay? It has never worked. It's never been the case. Good doesn't take away bad, ever. I've said this before. If you murder someone in the state of Texas, it doesn't matter how much good you've done in your life. You, you could have been the most righteous person, you know, that anyone's ever known. And yet you'd spend life in prison or be executed. I've said before, if you blow through a red light, right? 
and the policeman pulls you over, you can't say, but officer, look how good I was. I stopped at the last 200 red lights. He'd say, that's great, but you ran this one and I'm giving you a ticket and you'd still have to pay that ticket, right? Because of the wrong that you did, all the good you did. And stopping at those other 200 wouldn't take away that you broke the law on this one and you'd have to pay the penalty. It's the same before God. All of our good doesn't take away our bad. We need a savior. So it's slavery to believe that you're going to work your way to heaven. Verse two, and Paul emphatic here, mark my words. I mean, bam, bam. I mean, look how firm he's being here, Corinne. Mark my words, right, Alicia? Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Wow. Okay, so again, um, these, 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 these people who were, who were proclaiming to be Christians, they were saying they were believers in Christ. They were not genuine believers in Christ because they weren't trusting in Jesus alone. They were coming in and saying, you got to believe in Jesus, but then you have to be circumcised. Okay. And, and only if you do that and follow all the laws of Moses and, and, you know, do the dietary stuff and, you know, don't eat the things the Bible tells you not to eat in the Old Testament. Only then can you be saved. Paul says, mark my words. And this is, I mean, this is a warning to us today. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, again, if, if you're a man today and you're not circumcised, it's fine to get circumcised, but don't go and get circumcised and think that that you're closer to God now because of it, okay? That's the point. The problem is not with the physical act of circumcision. I'm not a doctor, but it's my understanding that there is a there are there are health benefits to circumcision. Um, but uh, you know, in no way does a circumcised man, in no way is he any closer to God than an uncircumcised man. Literally means nothing at all. Okay, and Paul is going to go so far to say that if you let yourselves be circumcised and you're doing this because you want God to accept you, Christ will be of no value to you at all. So do you see that, Tommy? It doesn't mix. Okay, it's not Jesus and anything else. Jesus, you know, you can't add anything to Jesus. Once you've added something, Christ becomes of no value to you at all. It's either all Christ or hell. Okay. That's why Paul is being so vehement about this. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Verse three, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Again, these so-called believers, okay, were coming in and they were saying they were they were actually sharing with the with the Galatian Christians, you know, they weren't sharing the fact that you had to obey the whole law. They would share some things, you know, that seemed cool or seemed fun or, you know, but Paul's making it clear that when you become circumcised and you're doing that with a heart that that in your circumcision, in your obedience, in this outward fleshly sign, right? you're going to be made right with God and go to heaven. 
And when you want to put yourself under the slavery of that system, now you have to you have to fully obey all the Bible perfectly. It's ridiculous, right? It, it can't be done. Every day we have sinful, unbiblical thoughts that we don't take captive. What do I mean by that? If, you know, sometimes a thought or an agitation will come into our mind or, you know, uh, an irritation or say a judgment, um, you know, or a condescending thought or, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe, we're, you know, we haven't forgiven someone and we'll think about it and we'll get angry again. When the thought comes into your mind, the thought itself is not the sin, but it's when we continue to think about it and run with it and meditate on it. Right. That's when it's a sin. Right. When a man just, you know, when a, when a man or a woman, you know, goes by a man. Right. And let's say, you know, she's dressed in a way that's, you know, um, you know, that causes a thought to come into his mind, a lustful thought. The, the, the fact that that entered, he couldn't help it. But now when the man continues to think about it and continues to meditate on it and, and now moves into lusting after that woman, that is where the sin comes in. OK, and obviously it's the same with a woman. Right. Um, you know, if you see a man that, that, that you find handsome. Right. Or attractive. Um, you know, that thought in itself is not a sin. But then if you start having lustful thoughts about intimacy with that man and you're not married to him, that's where the sin comes in. So it's when we when we willingly entertain, you know, sinful thoughts and run with them. And again, it can be a sinful thought of, of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. You could you could think about some past slight, how someone has wronged you, say, last week, last month, last year, five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years ago. And surely you'll recognize this. You could think about somewhere you were wronged and you'll keep meditating on it. And pretty soon in five minutes, you've worked yourself up into a lather and you're really mad again about it. And it's 15 years old. Um, you know, this is how we sin in our thoughts, okay? Paul says that I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law, okay? You don't just pick and choose. If you're going to try to be made right with God by your obedience and by doing good works, you have to do it perfectly. Obviously, it's insanity. No one can do it. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by law. Justified means to be declared not guilty of sin and righteous before God. You who are trying to be made right with God. That's what justified means. Again, I declare, verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by law, meaning you're trying to be made right with God by following the law, by doing good works, by being circumcised, right? You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ, you have fallen away from grace. Again, salvation comes by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. All right, that's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Do you see that? So that no one can boast. If it had anything to do with you and I, if that had anything to do with us, except for us simply receiving Jesus Christ, okay? If it, if it, if it had anything to do with our, our outward works, we would have something to boast about, okay? And the Lord's not going to have anyone boasting that they earned heaven. 
right? You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. So there it is again in plain language. You don't mix them, okay? You cannot add anything to the work that Christ did on the cross. I'll say again, if you took the best cumulative five minutes of my life, the most righteous, loving, thoughtful, Christ-like five minutes of my life, it'd send me right to hell, okay? We cannot add anything we do to the cross, okay? We come to Jesus in humility, understanding that we are sinners who need a savior and we are not it. We cannot save ourselves. We're hopeless, helpless, and desperate. And out of that understanding, out of that position, we throw ourselves at the feet of Christ and simply receive him as our Lord and savior. And again, if you're not sure that you have received him, back up to tape and, you know, to where I, I prayed to receive Christ. And again, use the words I use, but, but, but it's with the humility and the genuineness and your understanding of your desperate need for Jesus. And then in faith, you simply use your words to call out to him, right? It says you've been alienated from Christ. You, you cannot add anything to Christ. You've fallen away from grace, you know? Um, meaning, again, you're saved by the grace of God, right? It's a free gift. It's his unmerited favor, right? It's his grace. So when you're trying to, to be made right with God by doing good works, by, by, by following a system, by being circumcised, then, then you've fallen away from grace and you're, you're trying to be made right by law. They don't mix. The two can never mix. Verse five, but by faith, we eagerly await through the spirit, the righteousness for which we hope, right? But by faith, right? So, uh, you know, it's, it's not by doing good. Now, again, Paul's going to get into here in the second half of this chapter and all the way through, and he's going to start here even in verse six, the importance for us to live a Christ-like life. It is important for us to live a life of good works, but it has nothing to do with our salvation, right? You know, we talked about, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. But then verse 10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, right? That's Ephesians 2, 10. So you're not saved by works, but you are saved for a life of doing good works. And we do it out of a heart to please Jesus because we love him and because we know that we're not going to heaven, right, Wendy, based on any good that we've done, but our reward in heaven will completely be on how we cooperated with the Holy Spirit in doing good in this life, okay? So again, you don't get to heaven by anything you've done, but your reward in heaven, your position in heaven and how you experience in heaven, that will be dictated on how you lived your life in Christ, how you were led by the spirit of God and living a life of doing good works will determine your reward in heaven, but no one will get an entrance to heaven by doing good works, right? So they are important, but it's that's, that's an extremely fine line and it's important we understand that right we don't trust in our good works for anything regarding our salvation right 
And again, but our good works will matter when it comes to how we're rewarded. No one will have the same reward in heaven and no one will have the same punishment in hell. Okay. Um, but by faith, we eagerly await through the spirit, the righteousness for went from which we hope. We hope not in our own righteousness, but for the righteousness of the spirit of Jesus that, that that's credited to us. Right. When you receive Christ, the perfect righteous life of Jesus is credited to you. The actual perfect righteous life that he lived when he walked the earth, right, Rap? That righteous life is credited to you, Rap, like you lived it. And all of your sin, past, present, and future, Rap, is credited to Christ at the cross. That incredible exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. It's incredible. And that's already a reality, right? But it, it'll, it'll, it'll come in its fullness when we leave this life where Jesus comes to, to get us. And we eagerly await that to stand before God in the righteousness of Christ when we leave this life. But we do it by faith. We're not looking to, to stand in our own righteousness, our own right living, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. So again, he cannot be no more clear. Again, and this is a profound statement. He was telling the entire Jewish world, makes no difference at all, okay, when you're in Christ. Go ahead and be circumcised or not, but it has certainly no value in Jesus, okay? It, it helps you in salvation not one bit, nor does it hurt you if you're not circumcised. And look at the back end of the verse. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So now this is going to be the beginning of where he is. Uh, he's going to start talking about our responsibility. Okay. The only thing that counts is faith. It's not your circumcision. It's not your good works with regard to you going to heaven. Okay. It's going to be by faith. But you ought to have the kind of faith in Christ that expresses itself in love for Christ. Okay. What kind of faith do you have? Do you have a faith that has a heart for Jesus? Do you have a faith that expresses itself in love for Jesus and love for others? And listen, all of us are in a different place from this, right? Um, the vast majority of the, of, the, of the Christian world are baby Christians. But when you look into your heart, there ought to be some desire, right? You, you, you know, your faith in Christ ought to, at some level, you ought to see some aspects of your life where... You can see love for Christ, love for Jesus, because you have faith in him, because you know he lived for you and died for you and died a horrible, torturous death for you to keep you from eternal hell. That faith ought to express itself at some level in love for Jesus. And the more you grow in him, the more you grow to know him, the more love will be expressed in Jesus and for Jesus and for others. And again, that's expressed in, in, in countless, countless ways, and we're going to see that in the second half of this teaching. But it's, you know, you know when we go into, you know, the next teaching down here in verse uh, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Faith expressing itself in love. But the fruit of the Spirit, and this is verse 22 and uh, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control, right? This is the way our Christian faith ought to express itself, okay? The, the Spirit of God is always pointing us to Jesus. God the Holy Spirit is always pointing us to Jesus, reminding us of Jesus, convicting us, and doing his work to help us be conformed and to be like Jesus. And it expresses itself in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in, in all of our dealings with Christ and with, with others, right? Um, you know, we bring love, we bring joy, we bring peace, patience, something I need to work on tremendously, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? All right. Um, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So again, examine yourself, Becky, right? You know, do you have a faith in Christ? Is your faith in his grace? Is your faith in his righteous life? Is your faith in the fact that he died for you on the cross? Does that express itself? Does, it, does that have an outward expression in your, in your natural life, right? It's your faith that's, that's the outward sign. Your faith ought to bring an outward sign. It's not your circumcision. It's not the outward circumcision that brings the inward sign, right? It's your faith, right, May? You see it? It's your faith, your inward faith that expresses itself outwardly in love for Jesus and love for others. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse seven, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Interesting statement, obeying the truth. So Paul said you were doing good and relying on Christ alone and trusting in Christ alone on, you know, on having your faith in Christ alone and, 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 you know, and understanding you were made right with God, right? Not by anything you did but by your trust and reliance in what Christ has done, right? But he says, you were running a good race. Who cut it on you and kept you from obeying the truth? This is why he tells us to stand firm in the grace of Christ and trusting in Christ and relying on Christ. Who cut in, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? It's an interesting word here. We normally think of obedience, you know, in, in the way of, of doing things, and it, and, it, and it normally is. But here he calls it, obeying the truth so we do have an obligation of obedience but it's it's an obedience to faith it's not an obedience to to a life of works or a life life of law or a life in trusting in our own good life or in our own ability to do enough good to stand before god we obey the truth of the gospel of jesus christ which is the good news that though we are hopeless and helpless and desperate sinners that if we'll receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and place our full trust and confidence and hope and reliance in him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, that we will be saved and delivered from our sin, that we'll receive eternal life, spiritual life we'll receive in Christ. And we'll have relationship with the triune God and we'll ultimately go to heaven when we die. Who cut in, who cut in you and kept you from obeying the truth, that truth? the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Verse 8, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Okay, that's, 
That's not from Jesus, okay? That's not from your heavenly father. That's not from the Holy Spirit. A persuasion to trust in your own life, a persuasion to try to get to God in your own efforts, that doesn't come from Jesus, okay? That's from, that's from an enemy. That's not of Christ. Verse eight, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Verse nine, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So again, if you, if you even have the beginning of those thoughts, you wanna drive it out. You wanna go back to the foot of the cross and let Jesus know, Lord, I'm trusting in you alone, Lord. I know there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I would try to do. Lord Jesus, my faith is in you alone and what you've done for me on my behalf and in my place, and you get all the glory, Lord. I am a helpless sinner, Lord, who's trusting in you alone. Verse nine, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough, right? So when you start getting a little bit of this idea in you, or when a group of people start getting a little, little of this idea, it starts to spread, right? And so you, you have to cut it off immediately. Verse 10, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. So Paul says, I have confidence in you. I've made it clear. He's articulated in this letter so masterfully, so clearly, right, Esther? The, the truth that, you know, I am confident in the Lord you will take no other view, you know, on your eternal salvation, right? He's confident you're not going to take this view of a self-righteousness, of a works-based salvation, of relying on yourself and your own good life, even a little bit, right? They don't mix. When you start trusting a little bit in yourself, you're alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from your salvation being a free gift that you simply receive, as John 1.12 said, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, to those who believed that Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God, became a human man and entered this world, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, do you believe that? He gave the right to become children of God. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. There is a, there is a judgment from God. For those who preach or teach a works-based salvation, there is a judgment, there is a penalty from God for those. It's, it's different if you just misunderstand it, okay? So someone who's just trying to learn and understand and has, you know, and, and, and has genuine questions, well, of course, the Lord knows that, right? These are good questions, and we should ask questions, and biblical Christianity allows you to ask questions. It's, it's wonderful to ask questions. But now, if someone goes out, goes through this whole thing, and is continually teaching that you're saved not by Jesus alone, then there is a judgment and a penalty from God, and, and in the fear of God, we repent of it. Again, to understand that, you know, that salvation takes a humility to recognize our complete unworthiness, our complete sinfulness, our deserving of hell. And that's hard for a lot of people. It's just most of humanity just has a pride that we think we're okay. We're not okay. The one who's throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. If you're listening to this and you've been advocating for some kind of works-based righteousness, that somehow that your life is going to play a part and you go into heaven, then it's something you want to repent over 
earnestly today. And as you repent, the Lord will forgive you and you won't pay the penalty, right? Again, the issue is always our repentance. Every one of us fails in everything. But are we willing to repent when we, when we see the truth and then turn to obey the truth and begin to teach that your salvation, like Paul is about to say here, okay? Begin to turn from that and begin to teach that it's Christ alone and nothing else. Look what he says here. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Verse 11. In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. There was a time when Paul insisted on Gentiles being circumcised. All the Jews were circumcised. There was a time when he insisted on, on them being circumcised. Okay? But then he turned from that. And he stopped, brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision. Before he became a Christ, he vehemently preached circumcision in this kind of way of life. But now he's, now people are, are angry that Paul, who was this elite Jew, is now saying that circumcision means nothing. It has no value. And a matter of fact, if you get circumcised and you're doing that to have this outward sign in your flesh, that you are, you are one of God's children, then Christ doesn't help you at all because you have to abandon any and all outward work, right? And it has to be by the inward, right, impulse of faith. It has to be by an inward faith that drives your, your outward behavior, okay? Um, wow. Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. The, the, Paul was, was persecuted because the cross is an offense to most of the world today. And again, even to, to many people who claim to be Christians, the, the cross is an offense. Okay? Because again, the true cross is the only way to the Father. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? It's plain. It's unambiguous. It's Christ or hell. Okay? Every one of us needs the cross. And that's an offense. And it brings persecution. It did to Paul. And it certainly does to Christians and ministers that preach this this day. And, and I understand the offense of it. Right? I, I want everyone to go to heaven. Okay? But it only comes through the cross. Okay, because only at the cross can your sins be forgiven and can my sins be forgiven. Okay, no other way, no other belief system. It's in Christ alone. And that's why as Christians, we, we have missionaries in every part of the world because it's only in Jesus Christ, right Armando, that our sins can be forgiven and that we can ultimately go to heaven, Ezekiel, right? It's only in Jesus Christ. And, I, and I'm sorry, again, um, but it's the most loving thing we can do, right? I understand it, it, it comes off, uh, you know, intolerant, but it's, it's love, right? We're trying to get people rescued from eternal hell, and that only happens at the cross of Christ. Only at the cross are your sins exchanged for the perfect, righteous life of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to the Father. Jesus said it in his own words, right? John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not ambiguous. 
In verse 12, I mean, again, this is where we'll end. As for those agitators, these people who are insisting on, you know, this other way to salvation, this additional way to salvation, to adding to the cross. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and just emasculate themselves and emasculate themselves. It's it's pretty heavy what he said there. Just just don't stop. Just don't cut off the foreskin. Just just cut it all off. Just cut just cut your your entire penis off. Okay. Now again, just look at this statement. I mean, it's such a it's such an intense statement, right? It's it's it obviously it's wrong to do this. Okay. Um, uh, in the pagan world, okay, there were people that would do this um, and somehow think that that you know that it would be a service to God. Um, you know, Paul is so vehement on this. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and amask themselves. You know, and, and it's uh, yeah, it, it's you. You can just see the intensity, right, Susan? You could see the intensity pop of this guy's focus, right? Um, you know, it's important. There's nothing more important in the world than understanding this issue, that your salvation and your entrance to heaven comes by God's grace alone, alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you for this book of Galatians, Lord. Father, I ask you to forgive us where in any way we've tried to add to the cross. Father, we know, Father, we have no idea of the torment that it caused you to send Christ, to send the Son of God, God the Son, into the world, and then to place the sin of the world on him, Father. But it said you so loved the world in John 3, 16, that you gave your one and only son, Father. And the, and the horror of that which you endured, the horror, Holy Spirit, that you endured. And then, Lord Jesus, the horror of actually becoming a human man and, and having to live in this world for 33 and a half years and, and take on the sin of the world. I just We just humble ourselves before you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We ask you to forgive us where we have failed to to articulate these truths. And we ask you to, to have mercy on the world today. We ask you to open the eyes and the hearts and the ears of all those that don't know Jesus, that they might understand and run to Christ and receive him as their only Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this, this message to our hearts now. Give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.